You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program, the first show back for 2022. The weather's great. I'm feeling good. We're healthy. I think this is going to be a great year, Pete. The weather's great. It's, it is wonderful Perth summer weather. We're inside um, an air-conditioned building. Yeah, I'm, I'm I was going to say, it's not, <laughs> it's not exactly conducive to playing flowing football, put it that way. Hello. And I believe Football West have actually cancelled games for today. Yeah, there is a hot weather policy yep. with Football West and you can hop onto their website and I'm not quite sure in what place on the website you'll find it, but there is actually a hot weather policy and I believe it's above 32 degrees for juniors. They, they don't cancel, but they recommend and then... Yep the referees can step in and officials can step in and say, well, they won't then officiate those games or uh, endorse them. So yep. you wouldn't go ahead. And I think it might be 35 for adults. 36, I think 36, it was. 36, okay. I do remember playing one warm-up game in 40 degrees. So Yeah, just, you know, and just keep in mind that your body temperature is set, right? And if you play yeah. above that body temperature, you start to work really hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was played with 10-minute breaks, like, constantly, but... Oof. Felt like a game of gridiron. Anyway, we haven't even said hello yet. Hello, so. everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Our website, theworldfootballprogram.com.au, that's with a double M-E, is upgraded and looking absolutely good. I was going to say something else that was very Australian there, but I won't do that. Thank you very much, Nick Templeman, for all the work you're putting in there. So theworldfootballprogram.com.au. Yeah, it's looking pretty shit hot. Okay? Oh, oh no! no! It's looking great. I don't have the beef button either. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo. We'll so put a link I, to it on the Facebook I've page if it is there. I've got so I'm not dumping myself. Ah, it's all good. That, that sounds like a euphemism if ever I've heard one. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. <coughs> so thank you for listening in. At times we'll be wearing different masks on, so if you can you know, give us some feedback somehow to how we sound compared to different weeks, different hosts and whatever, because we've got a 
meet all these protocols these days with microphone socks and all these things. So just give us some feedback and we'll try and do our best to come across as clear as we can. It's the COVID time and we're all doing our bit here. Guest lineup for today, we've got Jamie Harnwell, who's going to be the new CEO for Football West come April. Tony Sage, owner of Perth Glory, Dan Evans, one United head coach and Football West coach developer. He can explain what that is exactly when he's on. Greg Farrell from the new Perth Red Star and manager of Futsal WA. There's a mouthful. All these people we have on are very titled, aren't they? Just still laughing about the Perth Red Star thing. Yep. And Miranda Templeman, uh, former Perth but now Adelaide United goalkeeper, young Matilda's goalkeeper. We'll have a chat with her about some upcoming games and... Matildas and things like that. Thank you very much to our partners and sponsors, Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Really do appreciate your support and everybody who listens in. Pete, it's been a while since we've been on air. It has, and a lot has happened. It has. It has indeed. Uh, very, it's been very exciting, actually. I think there's been a lot of uh, couch time over summer. It's been oh, very yeah. hot. Yeah. And with all this COVID uncertainty, people have you know, just kind of stocked up the cupboards and sat down and watched the Matildas, watched the Socceroos and maybe watched Perth Glory. Yep, yeah, yep. I miss going to HBF Park, I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my liver thanks me, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Tony Sage is tearing his hair out with yeah. all the changes, postponements and what it means to the bottom line and all that kind of thing. And yet I saw this week that um, they're, they're letting the AFLW teams come back in so obviously it's a case of one rule one rule for one set of sport and another rule for you know soccer basketball and the others yeah i there's a lot of gray areas out there yeah there just is but we're, we're all kind of lifting the baseline which is we're all being a little bit more vigilant we're all getting well a lot of us are getting vaccinated and wearing the masks and maybe keeping socially distant when we need to so the baseline is we're all being educated better about it yep and keeping our eyes is and whatever else open to making us safe. We want to stay safe. You know what? We want the football season to be a full football season locally here. Yes. And I'm pretty sure Football West are, are doing their best to come up with the backup plans because I'm sure we're going to need some backup plans this season. Mm. We'll certainly talk more about that very shortly. Um, we'll go to break and we'll come back and chat more football in a moment. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for joining us. Back shortly. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258-6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, 
as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au Oswest Fencing and Raw is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. And yes, that was my daughter. She's sounding older every time we re-record that advert. But I'm really liking it. I love the background. That was Roy Orbison, by the way, in the background. That's one of my dad's favourite artists. So I thought, seeing as the business started with him, um, Rose is now fourth generation in the business. My dad's dad taught him. So I thought it was all kind of linked in with working for the man. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty cool. And I like that song Probably worked better than Oh Pretty Woman as a song for a gate and fence hardware. Yeah, Yeah. moving on now. Yeah. Yep, okay. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. It's been a while since we've been on air and and talked to Football West on air. Congratulations on your new appointment starting in April. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, a huge honour to to carry on the great work that that James Curtis has done so far over the past five and a half, nearly six years that he's been in the role. So some uh, some big shoes to fill, but uh, looking forward to a really exciting couple of years with the Women's World Cup and, and State Football Centre coming online. Absolutely. Mm. And you've left behind you or you've uh, brought with you a very distinguished playing career that's pretty much captured everything you can on the local football stage. And you've entered Football West and you've you know, zoomed up the pathway there. So you're having a very successful career in that regard as well. Yeah, it's been... Yeah, it's been a big ride. It's been uh, probably 11 years, nearly 11 years since I joined uh, Football West after finishing up at Perth Glory from a, a development officer all the way through. And I think that's, uh, you know, part of my strengths is that I understand the game. I've been involved from, from day dot for myself, but have uh, worked with people and know people across the, the whole breadth of the game from the, the grassroots through to the professional game and everything in between. So hopefully I can bring that experience and that knowledge uh, into the role and, uh, do the best I can for, for the football community here in WA. Will this mean that you'll be leaving behind the boots in your coaching pathway? I'm glad you said coaching there because the boots have been well and truly left behind <laughs> in a playing capacity for many years. Uh, yeah, it, it is for now. Um, I, I enjoy coaching. It, it's given me the opportunity to stay connected with the game, um, enjoy working with players and trying to pass on bits of knowledge and improve and, uh, along the way, but the, the opportunity um, of Football West was just continuing to grow even prior to my appointment and it, it just became too much for, for myself and my family for work to be able to try and manage all the different aspects and, and continue the coaching as well. Yeah, um, personally, I wear my boots when I coach, don't you? Do you wear those, you know, the nice suits that you wear on match day? You don't wear them at training, do you? 
No, no, definitely they'll wear the boots, but uh, they're very much just for standing in and walking around in. Uh, I do a bit of piggy in the middle when I can before training. That was always good fun, but there's no more getting out and demonstrating uh, anything I'm trying to coach anymore, that's for sure. Yep. Um, Give us an update on where the State Football Centre is at. Look, it's uh, the, the main tender's been awarded for the, the main works. Uh, I think the contractors um, start this month uh, in terms of the actual building. If you've been past it recently, the, it's changed a, a heck of a lot over the past 18 months or so. All the uh, board works have been done, the clearing of the, the land and also the environmental work to safeguard some of Queen's Park open space as well. So we should start seeing some concrete being poured and, and all those exciting things on the site in the next couple of months and at the moment, all being well, uh, finished date around the end of March next year to put us uh, directly in line with the Women's World Cup. So COVID's Perfect. not going to affect that timeline at all? Well, we hope not. Uh, I'm, oh, you know, you can never say never, but there, there's certainly been a lot of um, contingencies built into the, the project to make sure they can, we can manage any bumps or, or slight delays. And, we, you know, that's happened previously over the past 18 months. And we've managed... Oh, sorry, I should say the state government's managed to keep the project on track. So really confident across what they can, can do and what they've delivered and, and what they can continue to do in that regard. The season is, well, it's underway in terms of night series because the Men's State League started this week. The NPL is second round in. Yep. Women's State League starting on the 25th and I think the NPLW, uh, NPLW is also starting on the 25th. Um, but then the season proper starts in April, I believe. Uh, is there a, is there a um, maybe a possibility they will not start on time with COVID or is there backup plans? How, how's that going to be managed through this year, Jamie? Look, I think what uh, Football West has shown over the past 18 months or so is that we, we've been able to deal with some pretty adverse situations um, fairly well. We've uh, had great communication with our clubs to be able to make sure that we can... Uh, postpone games, move fixtures and accommodate all the different variations that we know are going to happen. Uh, we're planning on the season starting as it is. We know that there'll probably be some disruptions to, to teams, to clubs throughout the season and we'll continue to be flexible to help clubs manage that. Um, but we're, we're committed to putting a full season on the park as we have been the last two years uh, despite everything that's been gone, going on. So there's a lot of work from the team gone in behind the scenes. We want to try and make sure we start the season, if not on time, actually early, just to give ourselves that little bit of wiggle room because the last thing we want is a, a backlog of fixtures for teams mm. that are having to play multiple midweek games um, across the end of the season. Has that involved working with local councils and clubs to try and arrange or have the possibility to have night fixtures or out of the usual daytime fixtures through the week just in case we need that backup plan? Yes, certainly. We've, um, we've been really strong with our engagement, certainly with local government uh, across the past 12 to 18 months. When COVID hit the first time around, it sort of highlighted that there wasn't clear lines of communication, not just with ourselves, but across sports with the, the local governments who you know, control virtually every, uh, every one of our club's grounds. So that's been really important. Our clubs have been great uh, in terms of identifying that flexibility. And we know that some clubs are are doing that as a matter of course now with Friday night games, twilight games on a Saturday and mm. midweek games as well. So it's just continuing that conversation and, and making sure that those clubs that, that wish to do so, uh, we support them. And then uh, when we do need to, to work with clubs to find those alternative dates that we're, we're doing so in a, in a timely fashion so we can ensure the competitions stay on track. 
I think the longer that we're in this COVID, um, in inverted commas, period, the more we're educated and become adaptable yeah. and versatile to everything. And, and things are continuing to run now compared to like 2020 uh, when sort of we had the broken up season and no promotion relegation. Things now are looking a lot more normal even though we're having to adjust yeah. with face masks and check-ins and the like. Yeah. Yep, it's become the norm. Yep. And, and I think education is out there so that, you know, we can all talk about it when we're down at the football park or at our training sessions or on our forums. Everyone's kind of the, on the same wavelength, yeah. which is great. Um, Jamie, what about um, facilities upgrades, club mergers and things like that? What are, What's happening in 2022 that we should share with the community? Well, obviously, there, there was some big news, uh, I think it was yesterday, that it came out across the... I suppose the first big merger we've had in, in a little bit of time between Northern Redbacks and East New Journal up. So mm. that's a, a huge move. It's um, you know certainly a bold statement <laughs> by those two clubs and the, the logo and the name that they've chosen. And, and we wish them all the best. Uh, certainly, you know we've been very encouraging across clubs to to come together and discuss solutions like that. We know that facilities are at a premium across local governments, um, and so that's always. A potential solution there in terms of facility upgrades. We're just finishing up our state facility audit, and we'll be shortly uh, releasing our state facility plan, which really highlights the need for you know some key areas across uh, floodlighting for community fields and training fields to meet minimum standards, uh, appropriate change rooms for both genders, uh, for all genders to to be able to get changed in comfort and uh, and feel comfortable across that, um, and then also playing surface. Uh, which is a, as always a, a difficult topic when you have the number of games that we do going through our facility. So there are three key areas that we'll be working with local government. Obviously, there's the federal election coming up as well, which we'll be uh, working very hard to, with our clubs and our LGAs to try and lobby for funding across those things. Uh, and, of course, the State Football Centre sitting and hopefully at the pinnacle of all of that. Absolutely. Um, uh, mergers, I think... I'm just trying to think of any club mergers in the past five years or well, Murdoch University and well, Melville yeah I was going to say that should yeah. be the obvious one to you yeah. Penn I can't think of many <laughs> other mergers along the way actually yeah so Fremantle I, City obviously brought all their you know a lot of uh, yep. different yep. clubs in together under their yep. one yep. banner as well uh, and there's been some more through the amateur ranks and, and the like as well yeah is yeah. that something that the that Football West have kind of got you're doing a facilities audit there which I think is great and I, I assume that's headed towards the World Cup landing so between now and then Hopefully there'll be action stations and some completed projects. But is that something that Football West look to encourage clubs to do with resources, availability or concentrations of, of clubs and players in certain areas? Is an objective of Football West? It's not an objective. I suppose our objective is to make sure that clubs are well-resourced, that they do have suitable facilities, uh, they've got the volunteers to be able to do so. So when you, when you look at that, and you may have three or four clubs in a really close proximity of each other. They're all after pretty much the same facilities because those established suburbs aren't getting any more grounds or pitches. There is what there is. And trying to open the conversations between those clubs, be that a merger or be that facility sharing or how that might look. Um, It's not an objective to get clubs necessarily to come together, but certainly to make the best use of the available resources is, is a key one. Yeah. Uh, did you want to mention something, Pete? I was actually going to say, just for our listeners, in case anyone's wondering what's going on, what what we're talking about with the merger is uh, Northern Redbacks and ECU Joondalup have merged and now call themselves Perth Red Star. Um, 
and it has absolutely nothing to do with Red Star Belgrade. So I don't know. F- football people tend to, you know, hear Red Star, or at least certainly me, uh, me, I heard Red Star and yep. thought of Red Star Belgrade. It's nothing to do with it, and I'm sure they're going to be fielding that question for the foreseeable future. Um, it's a strange name, but so yeah. be it. We'll, we'll talk more with yeah. Greg Farrell, who's the uh, female technical director yep. of uh, the new Perth Red Star a bit later in the show. Um, Jamie, so we've got all the um, night series starting, so everything seems to have uh, taken off very smoothly for Football West. Uh, no hiccups with that one, not that I've heard. No, Games are underway, heard, yeah. the results are happening, that, that, that's great. And um, Pete, have you got some indication of where the venues are? I do indeed. So, well, I've got some results we can run through quickly. Um, uh, Balcata, last night, Balcata FC defeated Armadale. 4-2, and Perth SC defeated Coburn City 3-1. That's coming off the back of a 5-0 loss to Coburn last week, so yay, my team. Um, and in I love the new advert on television for one of the rival radio shows that has a big sign that says Coburn on it, and they pronounce it Coburn, just for everybody out there, not in West Australia. I've not, I've not and seen that. you start one of your jokes about it either. Okay, no, I've not. <laughs> uh, and in the other group, Sterling Macedonia 2-1 over Bayswater at Macedonia Park and Florida Athena 1-0 over Gwellup, Croatia. So that's that's with the NPL men's. And so coming up uh, next weekend, the games are at Frank Drago, Gwellup against Joondalup and Florida against Bayswater. And in Group A, the games are at Delmadnac Park. Coburn will be hosting Inglewood and Balcatta against Sorrento FC. Yep. And then Perth against Armadale. And yep. Balcatta is at Percy Doyle, not at Delmadnac Park. Yep. And uh, Jamie, just before we let you go, uh, I just wanted to mention about Kay Harnwell and her motivation to get the female football program just really hooning along up at Sorrento. Have you got some comments on that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always hard to say when it's, you talk about your mother and um, <laughs> how much work she's done behind the scenes, not just this program, but but for the club in general. Uh, this is it was something I suppose that was generated um, some five or so years ago when my eldest daughter uh, was playing and then playing in the boys' team and sort of got to eleven or twelve and and thought the time was right to step across to the, the female game and. Uh, Sorrento didn't have a, a girls team at that stage they, they previously had um, girls teams a, a few years ago but that had petered out and so that sort of became a, a driving point for my mum to, to identify what Sorrento needed to do again to become a fully inclusive club and, and that started with the co-girls program some 12 or so months ago and uh, has built up now to I believe a, a full uh, content of, of junior girls teams to go alongside the, the women's state league team and, and metro team I think they, they have as well so um, couldn't be prouder of her efforts, uh, to be honest, as a, as a son, but also as a supporter of female football and, and looking forward to that continued growth. Yeah, this kind of shows the work ethic in the Harnwell family. Yep. Good job, Harnwells. <laughs> 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 Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. And uh, congrats again on your appointment. And uh, maybe next time we have a chat to you, it'll be after April 1 and you'll be the CEO of Football West. Thanks very much. I look forward to it. Good on you. Have a great weekend, Jamie. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Bye. That was Jamie Harnwell, who is currently the Chief Football Officer for Football West and will become, on April 1, the CEO of Football West, which is the yep. highest position of football in the organisation here in Western Australia. So some messages in from some listeners here. Um, Pete's listening in. Peter Wright, good on you, Pete. Uh, Dave Kindness, happy new year. Not happy with the Aussie international game. Shocking. Where are all our up-and-coming stars? 
we are being left behind, all the Asian countries, male and female. Yeah, and there yeah. was a cringy face at the end of that message. Jeez, <laughs> imagine how well we would have done if Stadge was coaching the Matildas. Uh, yeah. Well, it, you know, there was a, a big difference there, wasn't there? I mean, yeah. if you look at the coaching styles of the different teams in the Cup, and uh, it was Philippines, his team, wasn't it? Yeah. And the way that they played... W- Counted what we were doing. Exactly. Like, exactly. T- that's good coaching. Yeah. Damn it. Yep. Damn it, damn it. Uh, yeah. we've, we've still, you know, as supporters, we've still never found out exactly why he was sacked. There's all sorts of rumours around on the internet, both sort of pro-stage and anti-stage. Um, but, you know, I guess Heather Reid got what she wanted and now the Matildas didn't make the semi-finals for the first time ever. So congratulations, Heather Reid. Harsh, You've got what you wanted. Very harsh. Uh, and when we go out in the first... Uh, in the quarterfinals at the World Cup next year, we can uh, all say, well, team culture is the most important thing. Let's have a chat about the <laughs> night series. So the men's state league night series. Yes, let's, let's change the topic, shall yep, we? Go okay, for it, so uh, in the men's state league, so not the NPL, uh, the men's uh, last night, Wanneroo City and Quinns played out a three-all draw and Kingsley Westside um, went down 4-1 to Joondalup United. Oh, there's a lot of groups here. Uh, Mum FC played Forestfield United. Gosnell City played Canning City, but unfortunately the results aren't up for that yet. Uh, neither are they for the Southwest Phoenix against Curtin Uni. Uh, in fact, look, none of it doesn't appear any of the other really? group results are up yet. Okay, so. if you know the results, lob them on our yeah, Facebook send, send page. Yeah, them into us. So just an update on the uh, the State League and everything, because I went through last night and I needed to, a refresher course as well. So just a reminder, from the NPL last season, Perth SC won. Uh, Rockingham were relegated. Uh, Balcatta have renamed themselves Balcatta Etna, and as we say, ECU Joondalup with the merger are now known as Perth Red Star. Uh, in the first division, um, Sterling Macedonia have promoted up to the NPL, so they've taken Rockingham's place. Uh, Ashfield and Swan United have relegated from first division, and in the second division, Dinella White Eagles and Mum FC have won promotion up to the first division. Mm-hmm. And Kelmscott Roos have been relegated back down to the amateur. Uh, amateurs with uh, Southwest Phoenix making a welcome return to the state league, so yep, it's nice to see a good uh, stretch of clubs. I, I like having Southwest Phoenix. I like having a Bunbury team in the league. Yeah, I think it's great, especially because I don't have to drive down there to play or watch or anything. But you know, well, that's good to have a spread right around. It means yeah. that we're capturing the the population. And on the Balcatta FC thing, you could say it's a return to their original name rather than yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we need um, to get. Um, Geraldton Lafayama into the league as well as when then get real distance derby happening Ooh. between Bunbury and Geraldton. Yep. Uh, okay, so news in. Mum, three. Forestfield, two. Gosnells, two. Canning, nil. I like that. Mum, three. Forestfield, two. And strange noises. Yeah, that's sorry about that line with Jamie. There were some strange noises coming from his end there, but they are definitely gone. Do we want to go to a break? I think we can go to okay. a break. We'll go to break and we'll come back. I've just been accused of being a stirrer. Have a chat to Tony Sage. I think you have the national title for that. <laughs> we'll be back very shortly. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. 107.9 FM, your local station. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. 
You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. True Glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag. Always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our uh, banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Suddenly everyone just jumps up and down. eruption of cheering, yelling and flag waving. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. We're back. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program 107.9 FM. If you want to become a member of the station of which we are part of, Radio Fremantle, please feel free to contact the station during the week, 9494. And I totally forgot the rest of the numbers, 2100. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had to say that, 94942100. Or you can email them, admin at radiofremantle.com. Under 50 bucks, we'll see you for a membership. And that helps the station come on air and or the commentators come on air and uh, all the equipment and maintenance and so forth. And, yeah, helps us get the news out to you. Yeah. We appreciate it. So thanks, everybody, who has become a member. Very, very helpful. We love doing what we do. So we can't get hold of Tony Sage. He's a busy lad, probably trying to get a squad together, this and that, and yep. talk to people about this and that to try and keep things going. Man, it's a hell job at the moment. And Yeah, obviously missing the home games. I can imagine what a you know what a hit that is to the club, the, the club's uh, bottom line. Um, so and obviously as the supporters too, you need to you need to have these home games to keep everything fresh in everyone's mind. In everyone's mind, I'm sure the diehard supporters sort of all aware of the glory, but there's plenty of casual fans out there that you know aren't even sure if the season's going. Yep. So. When you look at the 
uh, the the television and and you watch the A League games that are happening. Yep. And the atmosphere that's around it, like it could just be a normal A League season. Yeah. It just, uh, I mean, the way that they've managed it is is good. The crowds are way down. That's obviously due to COVID restrictions and everything, yep. but they are down. Um, they're obviously bounding back from last year. If we if we go over the the average crowd numbers um, in the A League, so obviously last season they they bottomed out, which is again is what you'd kind of expect. Um, so average of five thousand four hundred per game. This season they're up to averaging six thousand four hundred. So it's still way down on the sort of the ten thousand baseline that everyone's aiming for. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the crowd averages for, for this year and last year and, and next year will probably all have an asterisk beside them anyway. Yeah. Um, and hopefully after that, things will open up again. What's your thoughts on pushing through and going for it and doing it anyway? Because if I was Tony Sage, a business owner, yeah. it's about balancing the books, maybe making a bit of profit, but this is clearly not happening because memberships would be way down. Yep. The, the team's not playing. I mean, we don't have the media coverage because the team is not playing. We're yep. not in Perth. So the attention here is not like it was. What's your thoughts on... I mean, if I was a business owner making a sound business decision, this is this is not good business. It, it's a tough one because a, a footballing... A football club of any sport, it's it's not really a, a like a profit-making business. They, they all lose money. Um and and they Do offer they? other benefits really? along the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, the, I'm sure you'll find the odd exception, but as a general rule, um, you need a rich benefit. Yeah, ba- that's it. You don't you don't buy a football club to make your fortune. Um, you make your fortune, then you buy your football club. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So fair enough. So where's Perth Glory sitting on the table? At Perth the Glory. So we'll focus on the men's for the moment. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, Perth Glory are sitting second from the bottom. Uh, equal with Wellington Phoenix in last place. Although, strangely enough, although we've had two wins, one draw and four losses, our goal difference is still at zero. So, uh, a bit unusual there. Uh, most recent result for the glory was a 1-0 midweek loss to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, and then in the other results since then, Newcastle Jets had a 2-1 win over the Brisbane Raw. And last night, Adelaide United failed narrowly to come back thanks to a missed penalty. Um, and Sydney FC won that one 2-1. So, Pardon me, Sydney FC still sitting top of the table right now. Although, again, the A-League, it's not just affecting the glory. There's also other games being postponed and, and so forth. So the, the table is a bit higgledy-piggledy with some teams like Sydney and Adelaide having played 11 games, the glory, Wellington and uh, MacArthur only having played seven games. So there's a big discrepancy in the number of games played. But as it stands currently, Sydney are first, Western United Equal first on points, but down on goal difference. Then Melbourne uh, victory, Adelaide United, MacArthur and Melbourne City ringing out the top uh, six for the playoffs uh, spots. But most importantly, I guess from a footballing perspective, or at least from the men's perspective, is we got the final of the FFA Cup today on, and it should be on Channel 10, uh, Central Coast Mariners against Melbourne victory, or as we like to refer to them, the Perth Glory Rejects. Um, <laughs> no, no bitterness in that at all, but... Um, so and so I'll be I'll be loudly cheering on Central Coast on that one. They've they've never actually made the final before. Melbourne, as we all remember, have won the final once, which was against the Glory. Um, so yeah, that's that's on Channel Ten, and that's probably worth tuning into. Uh, other games today: uh, Western Sydney Wanderers are hosting Western United. Oh, and I saw also that uh, Western Sydney Wanderers have sacked their coach. They're obviously having a bit of a poor season, and they've uh, replaced him with Mark Rudin 
who sort of you might know the name, but I, someone. I think he's a damn decent coach, well, actually. Someone pointed out he's the first person to coach all three teams in the A League that have a name starting with W because he's coached. Wellington, Western United, and um, now Western Sydney Wanderers. So I, I don't know. I, I like okay. my obscure statistics, and that mm. one just uh, tickled my fancy. Pattern. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and the Glory were scheduled, the Glory men were scheduled to have a game this weekend, but that's been postponed with the team obviously having a lot of COVID. So there's no, currently, no fixtures in the short term coming up for the Glory men. So I wonder what happens when we get, like, the dates of the finals are set. Yep. So what happens when coming up to the finals period, we haven't, let's say, Perth Glory have not played enough games. Yep. And we have pulled on all the players we possibly can from our academies and under, under you know, pinning teams. Yep. What do we do? We just don't qualify. That's it. Season done. Look, there'd be more to it than that because there would be television contracts in place for the FFA or sorry, the A-League, to provide X number of matches. Uh, so I don't think they can just say the finals roll around and say, well, this is the ladder at this point and these teams haven't played enough games. Now, I know there'd be, there'd be clauses within the contract to maybe delay the finals, mm. Uh, mm. you know, postpone things to a certain degree, maybe a month or so, and then have, as Jamie said earlier, the state league level, a whole bunch of catch-up games midweek. Um, but I, I feel confident that no matter what happens at the end of the season, before the final start, every team will have played 26 games, which, again, that's a silly number for them to have played, but that's a different topic. So mm, I wonder if then they just um, some, do some kind of I don't know, mediation that says, OK, that we're supposed to be playing 26 games or whatever it is, but all we haven't played all of the games, all clubs haven't played all of the games, but they've played, say... 20 games, and so they kind Well, of there will have been some teams that have played more than the required number, so the question then is, well, what happens if Sydney's played 22 games? Which ones do we yeah. not count uh, to go heading. on there? It's also worth mentioning with the, the FFA Cup final today that there has been a change in the setup. so whoever wins this goes into the Asian Champions League as well, uh, qualifying rounds. Yep. So it's a it's a door for Melbourne Victory or Sydney... Uh, sorry, uh, Central Coast... To, to get into the Asian Champions League qualifiers. Um, currently, I think it's Melbourne City are in as last year's champions. And there's one more one more berth for an Australian team, which I've kind of forgotten how they get in. But Yep. Have you heard any chat about the second tier of Australian football? Not for a while. Um, mm. Bearing in mind that we've had about five years of it. Oh, it's just around the corner and it's coming soon and, and I've... Again, not heard anything. And then they were talking about let's get it up and running without promotion relegation and then introduce that down the track, which to me sounds pointless. Um, you don't, you don't create this second division. Yeah. gone a bit quiet. Yeah, you don't create yeah. the second division and then say, oh, yeah, and we'll run this for a couple of years and then promote. You, you want teams going at it full bore trying to promote straight away. Yeah, it's a bit hard in this environment, isn't it? Everything's a little bit different. Everything's sort of got a little asterisk and maybe a bit of a holding pattern against it at the moment. Yeah. So do we want to skip across to the A-League women yep. who are sitting in a bit of a healthier position on the table? Well, the glory women indeed are sitting currently fifth. Um, they actually just slid down a spot uh, as a result of last night's game. So the recent results are uh, Perth Glory had a 3-2 win over Wellington. That was the first time they'd played. Uh, obviously, Wellington new to the league this season. And and to be fair, we talk about the glory being locked out and, and, and you know, sort of basing themselves over East. Wellington, exactly the same thing. In fact, yeah. you could even say it's a bit harder for them. They're not only 
Um, out of their country. Yeah, they're in a whole new country. It's, it's, you know, culturally, it's not such a different country, but nevertheless, they're not in New Zealand. Um, and I can't think of a harder test for a new team, you know, new to the league, to then sort of being told, well, you're not playing any games in your own country. So, yeah. Uh, I keep so, thinking back to our conversation we had with Tom Samani, uh, I think it was beginning of last year, pre, pre-World Cup. Mm-hmm. Mm, and, we, and he was... Well, pre-World Cup would have been... A uh, year before? Yeah, twenty nineteen was the last one. No, it wasn't it wasn't that. It was about the season for the A League last year and yep. how Wellington Phoenix wanted to be a part of the league but yep. they were denied last year. Yep. And uh Tom was saying that a lot of the players from New Zealand play in Australian teams anyway. They do, yep. And it makes sense um being in the same kind of region the World Cup's been playing in Australia that they would allow a New Zealand team to put a team into the A League. Yep so that they could compete and get some practice. And it didn't happen then, but it's now it's, happened. It's finally happened. And, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fully supportive. I know a lot of people don't like Wellington playing either men's or women's in the A-League. I've got no problem with it. I, I think it adds a new flavour to things. Uh, out of interest, by nationality in the women's league, uh, Australians, obviously, the top number of appearances are Australian players, but second isn't New Zealander. It's Americans, the second most common uh, appearance. So we've got oh. American players, then New Zealanders... Uh, Do you know then I'm English, surprised Scottish. about that? But that was the same. Well, we get a lot over from the college, Absolutely. American college systems. You know, the Aussie players go over, play there, and I don't know they make friends, so forth. Uh, and then when they come back to play here, sort of the Americans hear about the W League, A League women, and, um, you know, so come ha- over. We have kind of an exchange thing happening where yeah. there's a lot of Australian <coughs> players that go over and play there, but it's been very quiet in the American leagues the last couple of years in yep. terms of information about who's playing where. Yep. And any Australian players. But then again, a lot of the Australian players that were playing in America in their top league have gone to and Europe. And they've gone to Europe, yeah. yeah. So that's a thing as well. So we've had 33 different nationalities appearing in the women's league. Hmm. Um, men's league, I think there are about close to 100 different nationalities. Uh, and that, this is going by number of appearances. So it's not just how many players, it's number of appearances per player as well. Yeah, so okay. that's Americans a second there. Yeah, we, we should bring up some of those stats with Miranda, actually. We mm. can mention them to her. Yep. Uh, other other W League recent results. Uh, Sydney 2-0 over Brisbane Raw, and Sydney are really running away with the league there. There are seven points clear at the top of the table now. Adelaide United had a 3-0 win over Newcastle Jets, and as mentioned, Melbourne victory last night had a... 2-0 win over Wellington Phoenix. But for all you people who are suffering from glory withdrawals, the good news is that Canberra United are hosting the Perth Glory women today, this afternoon. I think it's at about 2 o'clock and should be on... Look, I should know this. It's either 10 Play or Paramount. Uh, I'm oh, I'm going to say it's probably Paramount. Yeah, Miranda so, will be able to tell yeah. us. Uh, but interesting trivia about this game. Now, this counts as a Canberra home game, and like we said, Perth Glory's home games are played over East anyway, but uh, Perth Glory have never won away to Canberra United. And also, Canberra United have never failed to score a goal when they've hosted Perth Glory. So hopefully we could, uh, hopefully the girls can turn that around if they're running high off their 3-2 come-from-behind win over um, Wellington... Uh, sorry, over, uh, yeah, over Wellington midweek they'll um, be fired up and Canberra are also on a very poor streak now they haven't had a win for their last nine matches which is a record for them and they're second from the bottom so only Wellington below them and 
uh, Pete gets a lot of his information off aleaguestats.com because he's the manager of that <laughs> site. So uh, if you think he's, he's good and he's just spatting this all off the top of his head, it's, uh, it's all the work he's put into that website. It's pretty cool, <laughs> aleaguestats.com. We are going to go to a break yep. and we'll come back and have a chat to Dan Evans. Tony Sage must be out there managing all things Perth glory, I reckon. So keep going, Tony. We'll chat to him another time. This is Pen and Pete on the World Football Program. Back shortly. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. We are one, but we are many. And from all the lands that we come, we share a dream and sing with one voice. I am, you are, we are Australian, we are one, but we are many, and from all the lands of the world, we share a dream, and sing with one voice, I am, you are, we are Australian, we are Australian. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432-745-140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete with you on 107.9 FM. You can get on to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website and have a gander through news and ways to subscribe, listen to the podcast, tune in live, etc., etc. Thanks to Nick Templeman on the line. We've got right now Dan Evans from Swan United head coach and coach developer at Football West. Man, that's a long title, Dan. Good morning. I said you could call me what you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a dangerous thing to say to Penny. Just Dan will do then. (laughs) So how is juggling all those things going for Dan in 2022? Yeah, so far so good. Um, We've just started a a, a C licence, both youth and senior for Football West. Um, So that's coming up the second week. On Sunday, so um, busy in the coach development space, and then obviously with the night series starting tonight, um, 
Swan United we play our first game uh, against Fremantle. So busy uh, preparing for that and the rest of pre-season as well. Very good. So what level qualified coach are you, Dan? I'm an A-line coach. Okay, sweet. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Part of the elite group there. How many coaches in West Australia have A licences? Oh, you know what? I wish I could tell you that, but I, I, I would doubt there's 20, but I could be wrong. Okay. Mm. Yep, so, so you're up there. And coach developer for Football West, is that like a coaching educator, you take the coaching courses kind of thing? Yeah, it's the, it's the new in vogue word for coach educator. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so it's basically the same thing. So I run community courses uh, and then the advanced courses as well, which is uh, C licensed, as I mentioned, currently. Okay. And does that include female coaching courses as well? It, it would do. I know we had a chat off there the other day. I'm not sure when the last one was. Maybe that was a question that Jamie could have fielded. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, but actually, uh, I've got a couple of young uh, female coaches on the current course I'm doing, which is great. Uh, one uh, that impressed me so far is uh, a name that you will know is uh, Anne, Anne Gooley, who's, who's been involved in coaching for a long time in WA. Definitely. Her daughter's actually on... Their daughter's actually on the course, so it's good to see that that's, that's been passed on uh, within the family. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think and out at Linwood High School as part of the school soccer program there? Uh, I haven't spoken to Anne in a while, actually, but yeah, I believe she's still there, and then uh, she's also at Gosnells in some capacity, potentially doing the youth team there. Yep, yep, yep. She's a great coach. Excellent accent, mm. too. Very good. Boy, it makes an interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. conversation. <laughs> you, don't, you don't mind listening to a talk all day, do you? I know. Yeah, lulling. So, Swan United, how's things going out that way? Yeah, okay. I mean, obviously the idea is to, uh, to be back stronger. Um, relegation certainly wasn't in the plans. Although it was. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, you should be. Uh, <laughs> Go, Mum. Actually, they, they kindness rang me the day after and apologised. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just for those of you out there that don't know, Dan, Dan's actually coached at Melville. Well, actually, was it Melville before we became Mum FC, Dan? Yeah, so it was actually in the inaugural State League Division 2 season. Um, I spent two years at Melville, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and from a distance, it's been really pleasing for me to see the progression of the club, uh, but I must admit I was less pleased on the day we got relegated by Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you can w- you know uh, you're a hard that's, worker. That's, <laughs> <laughs> look, that's football, and, and obviously we want to be back stronger. Um, it, you know, relegation wasn't part of the plan, but it was always an option as it is in football. And, and you know, um, I think... The, the positives that come out of it is now we're aware or, or, or if we weren't before, you know, it's been brought to the forefront of rebuilding the club. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned being back stronger. That's not just from a first-team perspective. That's with the youth. That's from a board level. Um, it's a complete rebuild, I think. And, and I guess Division 2... 
although it's a competitive league, you could potentially say there's a little bit less pressure than Division 1. Um, so hopefully now we can put some things in place and, and, and get the wheels in motion. And as I mentioned, be back stronger when we, when we do inevitably come back up. Yeah, you would mm. assume that the clubs that are in State League Division 1 are looking to progress to NPL football. I'm yep. pretty sure that's the objective of my club in, in all regards. Yep. So I, I guess the difference between State League Division 1 men's and State League Division 2, uh, they're probably, or there may be a little bit of pressure. I suspect that's maybe your point of view. Some other clubs might be putting a lot of pressure on themselves to mm-hmm. you know, kind of make make changes and put things in place to get up to the next uh, level of football. So, oh, Look, as far as I'm concerned, and certainly when I was a player... Swan's always been a Premier League club. Mm. And actually, uh, one of my sisters last year did a bit of a, uh, a, a some research, and I think Swan, in the history of WA football, are ranked 12th as far as Premier League time spent in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so you could say they were just a Premier League club, but whatever, they've had a, <laughs> they've had, they've had a, a decent history in the Premier League. They've, they've won a couple of uh, knockout cups as well uh, in Gary Morocchi's time there. Um, so it's, look, I think it's a big, a big club, and the ambition is the Premier League, and obviously, it's a, it's a half step backwards going to do two. But um, you know, and I keep saying we want to be back stronger. We do, and that, and that means not just the first team results that's throughout the whole club, and it means when we get up to Division One, it wants to be, we want to be sustainable rather than a yo-yo club. Yeah, and then really, really launch. Uh, a, a bid to get into the Premier League. That's that's the uh, the long term vision of the club. Um, but in the short term, uh, we, we we've got. Uh, I'm fortunate that there's no pressure from the committee. Obviously, the the objective is to get back into Division One, but I haven't got an ultimatum to say right, you've got to get up there and this season or you're out. Uh, they really are looking at a long term development plan uh, and that includes obviously bringing the right players in uh, so as I mentioned we can have sustained success when we do get up to Division 1. So what does this mean for you as a coach? So if you look at the year 2022 and the club's looking at a long-term plan, what do you feel as the technical director or head coach of Swan United that you need to put in place that's going to achieve those things for the club? Uh, well I think there's Obviously, that's a two-part sort of uh, answer. If I was going to uh, going to break it down from a technical director perspective, I'm working hard with the junior coordinator, and will be working hard with the junior coaches as far as implementing a curriculum, which I've written. But but the important thing is, you know, it's only as good as the coaches that are delivering it. Uh, is developing the coaches hopefully formal coach education, but also informally, uh, spending time with them, making sure that we put the best possible practices in from a youth perspective uh, and then offer some sort of realistic pathway into first-team football at one, whatever division we're in when, when they get there. Can I ask um, something about that? Um, I think connections within a club are really important mm. and and it might be... 
everyone trains at the same ground. The top teams in each level of football train at the same ground. You all have one hub night where you come for meals and you have team announcements and dinner and, and families come or whatever it is. Do you have those kind of connections at your club where you can truly say that there is like uh, your policies that you are putting in place are going to be implemented so that everyone has that pathway? Yeah, look, we're doing some things already. Um, there's some things that I'm in immediate discussions with about implementing that we've got approval, so it's just physically doing it now. And then there are other things that down the line we want to implement as well. Uh, you know, I'm mindful of, you know, you can't do too much too soon, and I've certainly in my youth made that mistake. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, we want to we want to be gradual with the changes but there's there's things that we can do immediately I mean last season I thought the connectivity between the juniors and seniors was great obviously having myself as technical director helped but we had juniors as ball boys for the match day they came down and they matched players in the changing room uh, parents would come and support us junior coaches would come and support us uh, and we could certainly do more but I think that was an excellent starting point last season uh, so, you know that that will continue, and then and then we're looking at looking at other initiatives as well. And mm-hmm. I think with with where Swan is, and with the demographics, we're very much a community based club at the junior level, uh, which is fantastic. I think we're already doing that well, um, but the changes, obviously, that we're trying to implement is making it more professional from a standard perspective so best players are playing with best players and so we can retain some of the better players at youth level and of course if they're good enough to go play elsewhere they'd be great but we want to retain some of the ones and more importantly develop the ones we've got so they have a really good chance of playing first team football at the club. Absolutely you mentioned about the geographic factor who would be the closest clubs to Swan United? Um, there's a couple, so I think probably the closest is Perth Hills. Um, but if you're talking about uh, sort of state league NPL clubs, then the, our main competitors would be Forest Hills, uh, Ellenbrook, and then I guess Armadale is not too far away. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it's a competitive market. You know, the NPL, for right or wrong, is... is uh, supposedly the pinnacle of of sport in from well both seniors and youth. Uh, you know the challenges of that, and then in my personal opinion, twenty one teams uh, doesn't lend itself with the best playing with it against the best. But you know what, we could talk about that all day. Um, but the fact is, we are going to lose players that want to play in the NPL, and and fine. I think it's it, it's it's far better to to train them or develop them and lose them than to not develop them and keep them. And I think if we treat them well, then they may well return to Swan at some point. And if you look at, say, Ellenbrook as an example, they don't have a senior semi-professional team there in the amateurs. So if we do lose some of the the, the better juniors to Ellenbrook, they may well choose to come back if they want to, or if they're good enough to play Saturday football. I think Ellenbrook are hosting the Women's Night Series this they, year. They may indeed in, be. In the Northern Hub. Hmm. 
You know what? I, 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 I guess I've been out of the country for a while in the last few years, but I have, I've never actually been to the centre there, but I've, I've uh, been told it's a good setup, so I might have to go down and check it out. Oh, it's amazing. It's the artificial surface. They've had some issues with it, but clearly all sorted um, for Football West to oh. put their, their faith into having a night series there. Mm, and, uh, yeah, lights, yeah. etc. It's uh, perfect and change rooms, canteen facilities, everything right next to the pitch. It's great. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. But, you, Penny, you asked me, that was a very, very long-winded two-part um, answer that I gave. But yeah, the other it was. Part is, no you don't give short answers, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. Um, the other one is obviously attracting the right first-team players. Uh, yep. And that's a blend of obviously being competitive now because we've got ambition certainly as a coaching and a playing staff to bounce back. Uh, you know, we, we, so we've got to bring players that can do it in the here and now, but then also we're looking at the long-term development plan and and with with the under-23 players uh, being encouraged because they're not taking up roster positions now, obviously we, we, we brought in a lot of under-23 players. So, so I think we, 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 we're trying to strike the balance of having experienced players that can bring on the younger ones and obviously deal with the here and now and then the younger ones that, that in two, three, four years time are going to you know, really uh, be competitive players this one in this state. Do you know there could be a position going for the Matilda shortly? You sound like you've got the <laughs> philosophy right there, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be uh, asking Dan Evans, but you know, if you recommend me, Penny, I'll certainly take my seat. <laughs> well, you got A license. That's pretty good. Yeah. What do you need to be a <laughs> national coach? What's what's higher than an A um, license? It, normally, at that level, it depends on on the on the job. But I would say that you need a pro license. Um, I've actually applied to do the next pro license, um, but given. Uh, COVID, they're not actually sure when that's going to run. That wouldn't be in Western um, Australia, would it? No, certainly not. And there's unfortunately not been any A licences in Western Australia either, which makes it obviously logistically difficult for some. Mm. Uh, typically, the pro licences are done in Sydney or Canberra, I believe. But I know there's a large online component at the moment, obviously, because of COVID. Yeah. Wow. Whew. You might get out and not get back when you want and so forth. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. A lot of things to consider. Mm. There are, certainly, always. So, night series starts today? Last night. When was your game? Uh, that's tonight. Uh, we, tonight. Play, we play tonight. Yep, yep. against Frio City. How's that looking for you? Um, <laughs> funnily enough, I've had, and I've never had this before the first round of a night series, but I had somewhat of an injury crisis on Thursday night with a couple of impact injuries and then... Uh, uh, a couple of players missing games for another reason. So I've got a very young squad, so it's definitely going to be a test for us. We played Fremantle already in a pre-season game, and, and we had some success uh, in that game. But, but I know tonight's going to be uh, totally different. Obviously, they're uh, a strong team. They're investing heavily. I think that, you know, they, they, they would want to want to make a big push to return to the Premier League. So... Yeah, you know, we, we'll we we'll go out there, we'll work hard, we'll compete, um, hopefully get a positive result. But I think the important thing is that we've got some young players that are going to get minutes and experience and, and, and be better for it for the season. Dan, before we let you go, can you give us an overall picture of Swan United, like uh, about how many teams are in the club, how many members, that kind of thing? 
Do you have any idea? Uh, I have some idea, but I probably could have done my homework if you were going to ask that question, Terry. But no, I think we've got about 500 members. Okay. Um, there must be about eight junior teams. Uh, pleasingly, we've got a reasonably big in-house uh, mini roof program, which is obviously Great. the foundation of, of, of years, to, years to come, and, and we're really looking at building it up that way. Uh, then obviously with the state league teams, um, and we've actually got a women's social team as well. Excellent. Uh, who I w- watched a few times last year, and they've got a couple of um, fighting younger players there, so I, I could expect them to, to move up through the divisions uh, in the coming years. Nice. All right, Dan, thank you. Uh, appreciate your time today and uh, energetic and, and full of chat as usual. Appreciate that. No, thank you for having me on and um, keep up with the work, guys. Good luck in the game and stay safe, Dan. Cheers. See ya. Thanks, Dan. Bye. That was Dan Evans, Swan United Head Coach, Technical Director and Coach Developer for Football West. Yeah, that's a mouthful, isn't it? And if you work for Football West, you have to have mouthful titles. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's easier to do that than paying. So so they're they're playing at, uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong one there. Uh, Hartfield Parks, yes, Hartfield okay. Park, uh, 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, six, sorry, 6 o'clock tonight. And then the late game at 8 o'clock is Morley Windmills against Western Knights. Okay. I think there's uh, groups up, there, six there's, groups, there's four a, teams, Yeah, there's six rounds. groups. So um, as, as we said, some of them have been played already and we don't know the result. How did Mum FC go last night? Uh, they won. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Were you guessing or do you know? No, no, someone's texted the okay. result in, so they all won. Right. Yeah, that's all good. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quarterfinals on the 25th uh, to 27th of Feb, then the semifinals and the grand finals on the 12th of March. That's for the State League. When are the finals? Uh, grand final for the NPL Men's Night Series is Sunday, March 12th. And I'm not sure yep. when the women's is. I couldn't find the women's one online, unfortunately. So. Mm. There's eight teams in the NPLW night series. I thought I did see something that it kicks off late February. Yeah, 20, 25th of okay. February it starts. Eight teams, two groups, three rounds. It's at Ellenbrook. And I'm not sure where the... Oh, Dorian Gardens, I think, is the other venue. There you go. So if you... Yeah, starting to plan your scratch matches, everyone. Just make sure you check all the fixtures first and check they don't clash with any of the night series fixtures if your club's mm. nominated your team to be in it. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Greg Farrell from Futsal WA and Perth Red Star. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. We'll be back. Radio, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. G'day, I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind A-LeagueStats.com and part of the World Football Team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannehoe, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.
and exclusive on 10 and Paramount Plus. They say you can't choose your family, but you can choose your football family. A family has legends you look up to. And the up-and-comers. A family pitches in and works together as a team. We have the ones who keep us in check and we motivate each other to be the best. Be the best! But it's my brothers and my sisters who always have my back. That's why even my real family love my football family. So what are you waiting for? Join our team. Now, I have to say that uh, a lot of the ads that I will play during my show involve lots of upbeat, happy, enthusiastic, motivated people. All this COVID and death stuff on the news lately is kind of like, man, yeah. I'm going to get into my show on Saturday and I'm just going to be positive and excited and, and happy. That's right. That's yes. good. That's what we want to hear. Absolutely. Good morning, Greg Farrell. How are you? I'm really good. How are you guys? Excellent. Just humming along in our air-conditioned studio at the yep. moment. Just uh, loving the fact we'll be here for another hour or so. Never mind the 38 <laughs> degrees outside. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It'd be a different picture then. What's uh, on your football calendar this morning? Uh, well, <laughs> as, as we were just discussing, I had a, an under-15 boys football game this morning, um, which, unfortunately, my Northern Hawks boys went down 2-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penny actually gave me a call during and may have heard some interesting <laughs> discussions going on from the sideline. I will, will not put any, throw anyone under Sorry, the bus. Mom. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a little bit frustrating. Um, I've, yeah, we've, we've had our, our junior super leaguers on, um, from, from 8.15 this morning and then the seniors start at around two o'clock this afternoon and go until, until nine o'clock tonight. Sure. So, given that it's pretty damn hot last few days, and outdoor football gets called off after thirty-two degrees for juniors, how does an indoor centre handle that? Uh, we have air conditioning. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. Just crank up the aircon. So, yeah, there were. Um, uh, it, despite the fact that it was nearly forty degrees outside, I think there was one or two people walking around in hoodies. Um, oh, there you go. So we, we we certainly make sure that the players are uh, obviously they're running around still sweating, but it's as comfortable as possible for them. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think are all your centres like that? Well, that, so that's the only the only one that we have at the moment, which is, is indoors. So the others are, are outdoor astroturf venues. So much much more difficult to air condition those ones. Yeah, yeah I reckon so. And are they night competitions? The outdoor centres. Yeah, those are predominantly night competitions, especially during the the summer. We'll have quite often have schools come in during the day um, in in winter, and and they'll do do lessons on on the courts. Um, but during the summer, it, especially this summer, it would be a brave group of people who would want to be out in the forty two, forty three degree heat that we've had. Absolutely, and there's been some evenings that have been pretty darn yeah, I was, hot. I was going to say, even just because just yeah. it's night doesn't necessarily mean it's that cool at no. times. So. How have you managed that across your centres when it's been warm in the evening? Well, yeah, actually, just before Christmas, um, I was refereeing a couple of nights when it was still 37, 38 degrees, yeah. mm. and so we just we just put in drinks breaks. Um, yeah. If it's, I think if it's above 36 degrees, we have a, like, 
two drinks breaks per half and, and once it, it gets down to between 32 and 36, I think it's one drinks break per half sort of thing. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, just manage it based on... It's, it's also different with kids, adults. With kids, you do more drinks breaks because they're not quite as good at, at regulating themselves and sort of mm. being self-aware that, oh, it's very hot and I've run around a lot, I need a drink. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think some yeah. adult humans can be pretty awful at that too. Yeah, I, I do remember yeah. with, with kids they drink a lot too. Like they don't sort of know to. I'm still playing, so only have like a sip or two, but they'll drink a whole bottle and then yeah. vomit it up two <laughs> minutes later if they try to run again. <laughs> at least that's been my experience well, with kids such at times. A I haven't, thing. I haven't, haven't seen any of haven't seen any of that happen this summer. Thank God. <laughs> I've, I've jinxed it for you. It'll happen in the next you're, time you're, you do you're it. You're clearly yeah. a better coaching educator than what <laughs> Pete is here. <laughs> Maybe I just project my voice better. Yeah, that could be it. Yes. Everyone hears it, yeah. So how have the competitions bounced back after another year of COVID? Um, everything has, has been slowly building. Uh, the, the Super League competition has actually grown quite a bit. Um, last last summer we had uh, 50, 50 teams in uh, the, the Super League competitions across the board, and this year we're up, I think it's 68. Wow. So there's there's been there's been good growth there and the social competitions i think we're somewhere up around about 110 or 120 adult social teams and then mm. we've also got the junior social teams and uh we've actually got our, our school titles coming up in uh i think about six or seven weeks last last year we had 175 teams the year before we had 130 and the year before that we had about 70 so I think this year we're sort of hoping to be up over 200. Good work. Who's your manager? They should get a pay rise. <laughs> um, <laughs> let, let's just say I think he would agree with you. <laughs> per capita, I think all those registrations add up. Greg, do the maths. Whoever's paying you, come on. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. What do you pay yourself? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're also going through the process of um, looking to uh, – revamp out the two AstroTurf courts. Uh, so in the next 12 to 18 months, there's going to be big works going on at both of them to have the the Mount Lawley courts have been in place since 2012 and the Netherlands courts, West Perth Football Club have been in place since 2014, I think, or 2015. So they're both in need of new AstroTurf and some new nets around it. So that that will be a big undertaking in the next little while. Hmm. So let's have a chat about Perth Red Star. Tell us the journey there and the compromises made. Well, I think for most people who have been involved in WA women's football, they've, they've seen um, a huge change from the days of the Women's Premier League, which was only three years ago. Um gone other days of interchange where you'd see coaches make two or three substitutions every 15 minutes on 15 minutes for the whole game. So across the board, they could be making 15, 20, 25 subs in a game. Um, so I guess there's been a huge push for professionalism and uh, like some of the changes that were made in 2012 and 2013 and 2014 in the eastern states with the move to MPLW was resisted um, over here and I won't name any specific names but 
people within organisational bodies. Um, and then it was kind of, there was the situation with um, a suspended player who wasn't realised they were suspended, or sorry, wasn't registered, and it kicked off a whole bunch of different things that mm. calls for more professionalism, and, and then Football West sort of realised they had to act and, and implemented the MPLW. Um, and from there, I guess, clubs have been looking at what's required, what needs to happen, what we have to do to to keep improving the situation for players and for not even for the current players that we have, but the players that we're looking to get in the future. Um, so organisational policies within clubs, uh, facilities, coaching licences, um, even down to the number of days and, and sessions that players are doing across the year um, to try and... And one of the big things that was mentioned when MPL first started was that Australian players were training twice a week and playing a game. Players in Europe were training five times a week and playing a game. Mm. So we were, I think, something like 300 minutes behind European players per per week of training. Um across a 10-year career, that's a very, very big developmental loss that we were suffering. So one of the big things that, that Northern Redbacks always tried to do was to employ coaches who were developmentally focused um, and, and really push players to, to try to develop, to try and move from one team to the next all the way up to the first team with a view then to to playing in the W League and, and hopefully the Matildas eventually. And I think, um, honestly, and Greg, that Northern Redbacks have probably been one of the leading clubs in providing that pathway and helping the journey of young players develop to that level. Well, and, and um, like I said, that that was sort of the, the goal and, and we've always had the, the NTC there um, where certain players would, would be moved from, from our club over to the NTC and that gives them a a pathway to the challenge and to the young Matildas and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it's always sort of been there that, well, even if we are going to lose some players, there are, there are going to be good players who maybe the NTC doesn't value. And so we need to make sure that we can still get them as far as we can. And they may be overlooked for all NTC programs and then end up playing for the glory and the Matildas. So the best environment that we can provide, we have to. Yep. And so over the last couple of years, the clubs have been looking at ways of working with other clubs to to be able to provide the best facilities and the best organisational structures to to back the the committee and, and the, of course, the players so that we're continually giving them better and better and better in, in coaching, in facilities, in, in game management, in training uh training processes and, and planning and all of that sort of thing. So I guess the the experiment a couple of years ago with with Kingsway was a, a good one for seeing what it's like when you work with a, a men's football club. Um, unfortunately, I think it was a little bit costly um, for us. The, the situation with Celebration Park is it's been a great facility for the club. When it was a community club, that was playing at an elite level, but we the mindset has to shift. And moving through the last years of the Premier League and into the NPL, where 
Northern Redbacks is one of the best clubs in the in the state. Mm. We have to have a better facility. And um, ECU, once the negotiations started, they were the the only club to sort of have offered the use of the grounds and the facilities without having other strings attached to it. Um, the the costing for the MPL was another huge thing. So having the backing of a, a very big organisation where there's uh, connections to sponsors and and all of that sort of stuff was a, was a big part of the um, I guess the draw card with with ECU and both clubs have, have been like I said developmentally focused where um, ECU have a really good record of of having players go overseas and mm. and be signed by clubs um, and so then I believe they they've received some quite big transfer fees for those players which is kind of unheard of in Australian football. And it's one of the the more intelligent setups because there's no reason why Australian clubs shouldn't be getting fees like every other country does in the world. Um, and and it, it, it sort of has helped the club as a whole. And and then you also look at the people that have got involved. Um, Kenny Lowe is, is a, a huge name in Australian football and um, working at, at the, the MPL level with him helping out the both male and female sides of the club. That's, that's a huge draw card. Um, so the, there's also then the plans to move forwards as, as Perth Red Star with the, the combination of both junior and, and senior male and female players means that I think there's a, a lot more pull. Um, but like I said, for sponsorship and for, for other opportunities to move forward, um, potentially into new ground and new facility and all of that sort of stuff. Greg, one of the things that's come through loud and clear since the beginning of time is that Northern Redbacks want to retain their female-only status. How is that maintained with a change of name and joining with another club that is not a female-only club? No, well, I think the the female-only status has been... It was something that was probably very important um, five and ten years ago. Um, but I think, like I sort of alluded to before, the the realisation that moving forward with the the costs that are involved with the MPL um, and the, I guess, the way that the league is developing and the way the game is developing, even around Australia, there's more and more money becoming involved and... As a as a small club and as a, a, a female only club, we we probably didn't have as much of a draw for those things as we will as a a joint entity as Perth Red Star um, to be able to keep up and to keep providing the the senior players and then also the little ten and eleven year olds the best of everything that's possible facilities training coaching management all of that stuff um it was the sort of thing that i don't think was possible if we were to continue as northern redbacks as an independent women's only club i'm happy that the thought has come around to that because i I think it possibly was inevitable but i'm glad that all things in all your clubs found the right place to be and the right club to merge with to retain all of those ideals that you're talking about which are all still going to be Northern Redbacks, or I shouldn't say Northern Redbacks, but you know the, the club and the pathway and the journey and the philosophy from before is carried forward 
you're taking it with you to ECU Joondalup. And by the way, tell us a little bit about the background about Red Star. I, I believe <laughs> Red Star is actually uh, a commercial group, like it's an individual identity. Is that right? Um, well, sorry, just just to touch on what you you were just talking about. So, the the one of the big things was, like I said before, we'd had had the situation where we we had tried something with Kingsway and and it didn't really fit just because of the cost involved. And whereas ECU, it was the the club as a whole is going to be a club that whether the players are male or the players are female, they are players and they are going to be treated as players, as equals. Um, so that that was a huge thing that I guess we hadn't seen with any other negotiations with any other clubs, and that was the big draw, and, and the result then is, is Perth Red Star. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the actual name, so one of, the, one of the things that's sort of been going around online is that um, was the the old football club, um, Red Star Belgrade. Yep. But Jules, Jules Rimet, who was the, I think he was the first head of FIFA, French, Frenchman, his, the, his club was also Red Star, which is actually where the, um, the Perth Red Star has come from. It wasn't from the, the Belgrade football club. It was from the, the French club started by Jules Rimet. You're, you're probably going to need to put that up on your website or something because I'm sure you're going to get sick of people asking you um, the association <laughs> well, I, I, with Red I Star do, Belgrade. Yeah, I do believe it was actually clarified in the um, in the launch. Uh, I guess it was questionnaire or um, press conference that was done on Thursday. Was what's the the connection to the the communist ideology <laughs> of Red <laughs> Star? Exactly. Was, yeah. Uh, no. 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 The Jules Rimet, French FIFA. <laughs> so Perth Red Star is it not a commercial entity that has different things under its umbrella? Uh, for that, I I would not have too much of a clue. I, okay. as the director of the female side of football, I help the coaches and work with the coaches and players and. That's sort of my perfume. <laughs> okay, we'll have to get Simon Hicks, who's the manager of Red Star, on the yeah. line. Simon Hicks would yeah. certainly be the person to talk to, yeah. yeah. We actually had a, a Football Hall of Fame meeting on Tuesday night, and he's on our committee, and he ducked out for a radio interview, and he was wearing his nice new Perth Red Star shirt, and yeah. I hadn't been on social media for the preceding hours before <laughs> our meeting, and I'm like, what? what's this? And he ducked out and he came back in. I'm like, hmm, I better do my homework after this meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. He was looking very professional, sitting there with his Perth Red Star shirt on. So this is all yeah, upskilling for me. The, the launch all looked, all looked excellent. So it was very well done. Yeah, it was very professional. It was great. Hmm. So uh, your role in the club going forward is female technical director, so overseeing all of the female football programs? Yeah, so I'll... I'll assist with the, um, I guess the the planning stages for for all of the coaches, from our under twelve coach Sarah Kifayatullah up to um, the the first team coach Carlos Vega Mena, and obviously there's there's different levels and and ways to assist um, with with the first team. It's it's more making sure they've got what they need, and and if there's things that 
that they need to get done um, and then also having discussions about players and, and bouncing ideas around the, the senior coaching group with, with Tom Ellis, who's in charge of the, the 21s this season. Um, and then with with people like Sarah, with the under-12s, it, it's more about making sure that she's feeling confident and, and capable of, of helping them to develop their technique and their understanding and, and making sure that the balance is right between doing activities that are going to focus on specific things and and then also as much game play as we possibly can so that they're, they're learning to play football or actually playing football. Do you have a, a direct coaching role at the club? Like, are you coach of any of the teams? No, I, I stepped back this year. I, like, I, I stepped last year. We, I, I, I took the 23s from having done the, the first team with Conrad the previous couple of years, as well as the 23s, um, because of everything we've got going on with futsal. And I sort of had the conversation with the club midway through last year that, I didn't think I was going to be able to coach this year because the the 15 to 20 hour commitment was a little bit too much. So this year I'm able to pick and choose. I'll go to a session here and a session there and, and speak to a coach after the session and, and talk to some players, parents when needed, but it, it's a little bit more hands off. Um, so I can, I can pick and choose a little bit more where I need to be and when. Yeah, and if the Futsal WA... Competitions are growing, given the stats that you've advised us earlier. Then I suspect that's taking up a lot more of your time than it used to, as well. <laughs> you you would be absolutely right. It certainly is, and we're we're actually going through the process now of uh, looking for another couple of staff members with with referee positions and and manager positions available, um, and we're also looking for a, a development officer soon. Nice. Oh, sorry, a development officer. So all of that stuff will be will be going up in the next little while. Um, if anybody is interested, keep your eyes on the, <laughs> the Facebook pages and, and online and get in touch. Is there a tie between Perth Red Star and Futsal WA? Use of facilities, resources, etc.? No, no, there's not. Um, but, uh, a lot of the players who play at, well, at, at Northern Redbacks as the, the women's club and also actually quite a few ECU Joondalup players play Futsal as well, not not necessarily in the Futsal WA competitions, but um, quite a few of them have played in the Super League competitions as well. Well, Greg, thank you very much on behalf of the World Football Program to Futsal WA for jumping in and being a partner with us for a few years now and hopefully a few years more. We appreciate it and we certainly enjoy having a chat to you. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. This, the show is amazing and it's certainly something that, having come from the East Coast, is very much unique to over here. Mm. Um, you don't get anything anywhere near, or not even anywhere near as good. You don't really get anything like this on the East Coast. So you it can is, come it back, is mate. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Keep cool today, Greg, and enjoy your football. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good weekend. Good on you, Greg. See ya. Thanks, Greg. Cheers, bye. That was Greg Farrell, the technical director, technical director for Futsal WA and female football manager for Red Star. Yep. Man. was going to mention you're wearing one of our new shirts as well, I so am. we get new shirts, and, and the sleeve facing me just says Futsal WA on it. I'm I know. sort of How looking at it the that? whole time, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got a couple for Greg. They're pretty classy, yep. new shirts. We'll have our photo in front of the door. All right.
as we normally do to say who's hosting, put names to faces. Man, there's a lot happening in futsal space. That growth is incredible. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Okay, we're going to have a chat to Miranda Templeman next and get our heads around Matildas and a bit more. Adelaide United. Yep. At least in the in the women's league, I think everyone's second team here in Perth at the moment. Yeah, it could be. Could yeah. be, maybe. Not sure who we're going to be going for when they play uh, the Glory shortly. Yeah, I don't know what the stats are on games played, but I'm pretty sure Adelaide's played a few more games than what Perth have. Uh, one more game. They've yeah. played uh, nine. Uh, Glory ladies have played eight. Yeah, we've been hit by COVID a bit, haven't we? Yeah. Jeez whiz. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat with Miranda. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. Back soon. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor.
to show them who we are. We're back. This is the World Football Program. Penn and Pete, we're just having a little bit of a, a, a chat off air about who coached at the last Women's World Cup. The guy took over from Alan Stajic. Ante Milicic. That's it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. And and the pattern that Australia, the Matildas have at World Cups, Miranda, is uh, we get to the quarterfinals and it's nothing to do with the coach. Well, it's, it used to be the quarterfinals. Now it's the round of 16. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's... We have this pattern. This is where we get to. This is where Australia has got to. What's your thoughts on that, Miranda? Yeah, I think, obviously, it's um, a bit of the same squad, but some new young faces coming in, and obviously, Tony's doing a great job, And I think, for the team. I know there's um, a few questions popped up uh, with the early withdrawal from the Asian Cup, and that's not what we are all hoping for. But I think, yeah, it's with the same core group, and keep adding in, you know, some new, fresh young faces. I was sad to see Holly McNamara go off in the last game, but it's good that these young players are getting game time. Yeah, it is. Um, I remember a very, very young Caitlin Ford and, and other players at that time when Tom Simani was the coach being blooded into various tournaments and, um, I don't know, maybe you could say that was the golden generation of women's football at that time and I think we have some amazing young players. I kind of feel like we're in the golden generation now. It just needs to be used more effectively. I'm I'm happy with that because I'm quite excited by some of the players that I'm seeing getting blooded through the Matildas. You know, they add such energy and there's some skills about them, like some creativity, and I like that. Well, one of the issues raised after the Indonesia game where we won 18-0 was, I think it was, he he brought A.V. Lewick on, who, no disrespect to her, but she's 36, and surely in a game where you're absolutely pounding the opposition, wouldn't that be a good one to to bring on a young player and blood them rather than someone who's at the twilight of their career? I don't know the answer. Miranda, have you got the answer? <laughs> no, I, I can't tell you the answer, but um, I do think that um, it is happening more and more that we see some new fresh faces, and even in camps and everything, just to um, be able to get an opportunity for a taste in that environment because it is a massive step up yep. from, you know, your juniors, your young. The first team environment is just a whole other level. So I think the more we can get uh, young players playing in games like that where we're comfortable, uh, like very comfortable in that much, but um, yeah, where it's comfortable and players can kind of get used to that environment so that when maybe they do need to be called upon in bigger occasions, they've already had a taste in that environment and they'll feel more comfortable. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and also they get a taste of playing with those players that are the first 11 players. They can become used to their style of play and their expectations on the park. I think that's really important too. When I was watching the Socceroos play um, over the past week, couple of weeks, can't remember, anyway, just recently, and uh, I fell asleep through some of the game. Man, they were late. The games were late. Okay? Oh, the, the Omar uh, game. Uh, yeah, yeah like, I sort I of set my alarm so and got up at halftime yeah, for that I, one. I watched it again later. <laughs> but um, point, point being, I was, I was watching the game and I was thinking that you know, they're making basic mistakes. Some of the players are making mm. basic mistakes. And you've got to be told you're making a basic mistake. You've got to play with other players who know that that's a basic mistake and then they can tell each other on the park because the coach can't tell you everything on the park. The players mm. have got to have been taught it and then go and try and implement it. And I was watching the Socceroos make those mistakes thinking they've got really good skills but they're just making errors that I think are coaching. The, yeah. like the, it's really hard to uncoach a, 
a bad habit really hard. But you can mm. educate the players continually off the park to do the right thing so when they go on the park, and this is the new and the older players, they get coached off the park together in all the different formations, the younger, the older, and, and so forth, and then they go on the park and they have to implement that. They have to put that education in, into place. And they can only do it when they're under pressure because when you're not under pressure, you'd probably do all the right things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. eighteen nil kind of games. You'd yeah, probably exactly. do all the right things in those games, but then in a like a two one kind of game, you might be under a bit more pressure and make a few more mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not ever going to be that kind of coach. No, <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a community coach with the kids. That's yeah. oh, I like that. that that's yeah. the nice level. Yeah, exactly. It is the nice level. So Miranda. I've got a question for you. How's the water in Adelaide? Supposedly it's not supposed to be the best water anywhere in Australia. It's supposed to be like substandard. Is it going to affect the way that you, your squad's going to play against Perth perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I did feel very queasy after first having the tap water and we had to we had to wean on with bottled water. So, oh. um, yeah, it actually, it actually isn't great. And I know our goalkeeping coach, he's from Tasmania and he still doesn't drink tap water here. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Guess the rumours are true, but you know, I'm I'm sure we'll be up up for the fight on Thursday afternoon. Still, there won't be any changes. Okay, all right, that's fine. I'm sure we'll give it a go. Pete was just talking about the ladder earlier, and I think we'd slip down to fourth now. Pete? Fifth, fifth now. Adelaide oh. United are flying high. You guys are having a belter of a season, Miranda. Hmm. Yeah, we're loving it. I think um, it's really positive energy at the moment. That's you know, with our three nil win yesterday over Newcastle that's the third win in a row and the third clean sheet in a row yep. which is really good and um yeah I think it's really positive energy at the moment and hopefully we can continue that I know we've got a few we've now got three games in the next eight days so we play with the schedule changes so we've got Perth on Thursday in what in Central Coast at Central Coast Stadium um then we've got our scheduled fixture against Brisbane in Brisbane on the Sunday, which will be flying straight from Sydney to Brisbane. Then we'll come home for a bit and then go back to Sydney for another Thursday night fixture against Wellington in Wollongong. So it's a busy um, next week for us, but I'm sure, you know, we've got good depth in our squad and I think it's... I know Adrian was saying in his last press conference how massive the competition for places is at the moment and there's so many players just like bursting under the surface, you know, that could step into that starting 11 at any time um, if called upon. So we're very lucky to have, you know, the squad that we do and hopefully we can keep up our run because I think we're level on points with Melbourne City at the moment, although they have a game in hand. But Yes, that's right. Um, with Yeah, with the new final series, we're coming, you know, that second place spot is up for grabs and it's even more important than um, previous years because there is that second chance final up for grabs now. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I didn't realise the final system had changed for the W League. Oh, it's for the A League women's. So is it a, a top, yeah, so top six, is it now? No, it's a top four. So first play second, third play fourth. And then the loser of the first v second play oh, the okay. winner of the third v fourth in a second chance match while the winner of the first v second will go straight on to the finals. So getting okay. those top yeah. two spots, I think Sydney have pretty much solidified their so They've been very impressive this season. and yep. um, But it is a massive advantage to finish that top two this year. So that's definitely something as a squad, you know, never even making finals and now gunning for top two. Um, I think there's pressure within the squad and I think that's greater from with pressure with, from without. You know, so the pressure we put on ourselves and the expectations we have and 
the pressure within for competition for places is far outweighs any pressure that we feel from you know the club itself or supporters or anything else so i think that's a really good position to be in yeah so i've just had a listener text in this is uh, peter wright and pete just loves posting on our page and i really appreciate that <laughs> pete and he's just said he's keeping his promise even though he's mentioned about the water thing he's still wearing <laughs> his adelaide scarf while he's listening in good on you pete yeah good on <laughs> Yeah, I hope it's uh, alongside a Perth Glory scarf. Pete, you didn't mention that. That's a bit rough. <laughs> so um, at the moment, Perth Glory have got a handful of players affected by COVID and Gemma Crane's broken her wrist. And, man, she copped mm-hmm. some injuries, doesn't she? She mm. copped a big one a few years back and uh, that kept her out for a while. But she's an awesome player. Um, how's COVID affecting the Adelaide squad? Yeah, well, touch wood, we've been very, very lucky so far. I think we had um, our head coach, Dent, test positive um, a few weeks back and missed, I'm pretty sure it was the, the Wellington game um, but we had like a great group of coaching staff that were able to step in and um, that was pretty seamless but we haven't had any players test positive so far the club's been really good um, with our protocols and making sure we're getting our rat tests every day and you know trying to be as safe as possible out in the community and um, yeah so we've obviously not as intense a situation as Sydney or the Melbourne teams, which would have to be much more difficult to navigate. But we've been very lucky so far, so hopefully we can keep that run going. It's uh, You're talking in a very relaxed manner, but um, we were going to have a chat to Tony Sage earlier, um, didn't manage to catch him, but uh, he must be tearing his hair out with mm. Perth Glory and uh, players going down with COVID, fixture changes and not playing any home games till the end of the season now, I think. And, and then you're sounding very relaxed. Adelaide, you're playing your game, you sit in the top four of the table, yep. bah humbug. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do have it pretty lucky here, um, but I think that is just down to how we've managed it as a team and as a club, I think, you know, take my hat off to Emily Thorne, our physio, who's also our COVID marshal, because she's got so much work to do, she's got so many things to worry about, but she pulls through every time and she's just been brilliant for us, keeping on top of that. Future Matildas program, where's that at? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, the Future Matildas program is designed to be offset to the W League. So um, I'll go back there uh, as the season finishes, you know, maybe take a few weeks off, let the body refresh and then get ready to come back in strong. And um, that's such a good program. And I did a review for Football Australia because they're trying to find out what makes the Future Matildas program in Sydney is so successful so they can try and replicate it in other states and one of the main things I found was the fact that it's a training only environment. It's not a a squad that plays on the weekend and you know you need to worry about your tactics to beat a certain opposition. It's you go to training and you know that the coaches have your purest intentions of wanting to improve you as a player and it's not about getting three points on the weekend but you do learn, you gain management side of stuff with your club. But you go to training and you know that you're there to get better and you know that the coaches have your best intentions at heart, which, um, yeah, I think that's what made the environment so positive. And it is probably the best environment in Australia for young players to go and develop themselves as players. So I've been very lucky to be a part of that. Pete was saying earlier 
that yeah. we've got a very high number of players come from America. I think it was the highest. Yeah, in the in the W League, um, obviously, other than Australian players, the next highest is uh, American, and then the Kiwis mm-hmm. coming in third. So in the A League, it's Australia, and then the Kiwis. Um, but certainly in the in the W League, it's the American. We get so many Americans over here. Yeah, and my thought on that was that with the COVID period, I was surprised that we have so many still wanting to come and be a part of our competition mm. because of. Well, I should say this is this is in the history of the A League, W League. So yeah. this is including yeah. over the last ten yeah, years. Yeah, but or the so. stats that yeah. you'd given earlier were for this season. No, no, that's overall. Oh, overall, man. that's okay. over the right, entire okay. history. No, I didn't bother breaking it down. Oh, by come season. on, Pete. We'll, we'll <laughs> see what we can do. Relevance. No, it, it does. It does make sense because it lines up well with the NWSL, our yeah. league. So a lot of players. I know we've got um, our local Chicago. Um, American Kayla Sharples in our centre back role, and she's been great for us. She's been absolutely brilliant. And um, I know when she talks about her goal, she talks about you know the W League is she wants A League women. She wants to come here and help us as a team. But for her, it's almost an advanced preseason because all her teammates are back in Chicago doing their preseason. But you know what's better than you know playing minutes? And she's you know working on playing on the left side because she's playing a left-sided centre-back um, with us here at United. So she's working on the left foot more and so she can go back and take these experiences in the W League, which is probably more of a physical um, league than the American League. So she can take all these experiences and bring it back into her US environment, which I think that's the um, appeal of the league for so many American players and why we've seen, even at Perth, um, over the... Not so much recent years, but pre-COVID, Americans we usually had at least three American signings a season. So, um, yeah, it's probably why we see the trend there. Yeah, and I, and I'd like to have some relevance to the breakdown for the league this year. I'll see what we can. Yeah, I can get up on the website there. Trivia maestro. Yeah, of the, the, the least yeah. common nationality is Singaporean. Who's we had one appearance from a Singaporean <laughs> player, actually for the glory too. Uh, Shia Lim back in, back in. 2008 played one game for the glory. Okay, so my, my relevance was there's not so many Australian players that I know of are playing in the American leagues right now mm. because the European leagues paying so much, yep. the so. quality of the leagues are good, so players have gone there. Um, so I wondered if there was many players playing in American, if it was something that you look at, Miranda, for you, because of the system they have. They're not necessarily because of who's playing them, but because of the system they've got there for you to go and develop your football. Is that part of a pathway you would consider? Yeah, definitely. I think overseas um, clubs have a big appeal for um, young players. And you see a lot of players actually preferring to go um, to Scandinavian countries at the moment. You have Sweden, you have even Greece, I've heard some players um, Mm. interested in. but yeah, a lot of the Scandinavian countries are big popular because of the way it lines up with the W League season quite well. But um, yeah, I think the shift from Australia players going to America was the big thing and now it's kind of shifting over to Europe. And yeah. I think that's mainly to do with the influx of money that the European leagues have put into it. And you yeah. see, obviously, the English league um, is probably the pinnacle um, in the country in the moment. It is for the men's, obviously. But um, I think they're starting to invest more into the women's side of things. And you can see it in return. They're getting higher quality of players. They're getting 
more revenue from ticket sales because the games are better and it's just a big cycle, isn't it? I mean, mm. yep. you can see the difference that an initial influx in cash can benefit a league. So how old are you at this moment? 19 and happy two birth- Happy birthday <laughs> for two <laughs> days ago. Yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday. So that would be a pretty prime age if you were considering a journey elsewhere, I reckon. What's enticing you or are you very happy here? Oh, I've I've got a great setup here in Australia, but um, yeah, it is something that um, a lot of players now are looking to do. Whether it's something I'll do, um, I'm yet to see. But yeah, at the moment, Australia is treating me very, very nicely, and I'm loving my time here in Adelaide, and I love my time in Sydney as well. And whether Perth will let me back in, we'll find <laughs> out. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Matildas and their journey through the Asian Cup and I, I, I will say again that I've been very impressed with Alan Stagic, his coaching of the Philippines yep. they've done a great job yeah fantastic Yeah, hmm. I think that was their first finals appearance in the Asian Cup ever wasn't it? Yep, and yeah, they've qualified made, made for the all, Cup. Yeah, made it all the way to the <laughs> semi-finals it's incredible yeah. unlike the Matildas um. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, there's a pattern there, but you know, Pete and I were talking about the coaching, but it's not—it's not the coaching. It's where Australia's at at this time. We've got to a level, and we need something more to get to the next level to help us progress mm. up in the world stage. I mean, we're sitting in the top ten, I think. What are we yeah, now? Top the, 10, yeah. I forget what number we're at, but that we've been at that you know, level for a little while, but we just don't seem to crack it at the World Cup, like to get knock off the big names that will get us there. We've got some big players. We've got yep. big names in yeah. our team. But what is it, Miranda? What's the answer? Oh, you know, I'd love, I'd love to tell you because otherwise I'd be the um, Matilda's coach right now if I had all the answers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think yeah, I do agree with what you're saying. We There was a big few years where, um, you know, the Matildas were rising so much and we had a lot of, big names, we still have big names, but I think we did plateau, and I think there wasn't much rotation or you know, differences in the squads that we were putting out, so it's down to the individual like players, how they can better themselves and how they can better as a team, rather than you know, other teams have new players coming through and new young players, but I think there was a long period of time where we didn't have that, we didn't have young players coming through and it was basically just your your core Matilda squad that we still have now who are, you know, about 26 to 30 now. So they're coming from the prime of their career. Um, and I think now is the perfect time for Tony and the Matildas to start introducing new young talent as he is because, we, you know, as much as we'd love to, we can't have Sam Kerr playing in our Matildas forever and we can't have all those players in the squad forever. So... It's about transitioning the into the next generation. And I think the best time to do that is while these players are still in their prime and they can still teach these young players and pass down everything that they've learned over their career. Um, and that's how we can build as a squad because it's not... We don't want to start from scratch. So it's too late when all the Matildas that we have now have retired. It's too late then. So now introducing it gradually, I think, is the right thing to do. And um, they've definitely been great and looking out at young players and giving a, a range of new young players, not just a few um, opportunities in camps and matches we saw. I can't remember the last time we had this many debutants 
um, in such a short period of time. So, and young debutants that. So, it's been brilliant, and I think we'll only see more of that from Tony because I think he has a long-term picture in mind. Yeah, and that's one of the factors that he was employed upon was to look after the football going forward, put us in a good state. I mean, we don't just want to win this competition. We want to win this competition with something in the tank for the next competition. So we we want longevity out of whatever plan he's got in place. And I think of Sam Kerr, you know, I think of um, Lionel Messi when he plays for Argentina and how he stands out and the team doesn't stand out around him. Mm. And I mm. think of Sam Kerr, and I'm not, not saying we don't have the squad around Sam Kerr, but Sam Kerr, when she plays for the her local team, Chelsea, or any other mm. team, really, she scores goals. Mm. And yeah. she doesn't on the world stage. So what do we have to present to this athlete that makes us as a team better? And yeah. look, if she's not going to be playing at the next two World Cups, only this next World Cup, how can we get that combination right and yeah. make use of that athlete? Just for the record, Australia's ranked 11th, so we're not actually okay. in the top 10 at the moment. Uh, and the only Asian team ranked higher than us, this is obviously before it takes into account the results from the current Asian Cup, uh, is North mm. Korea, who weren't actually at the... Uh, at the they're, they're ranked 10th, so... Okay. All right. Wow, 11th. Yeah, we've got a bit of work to do, but that's yeah. okay. We all have our hopes up and we love football. We're passionate about it. We'll keep talking about it until it happens. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda, it's been super awesome having a chat to you. Thanks for joining us on the program. Glad you're well and, and safe and go glory. Yeah. Uh. And <laughs> go Adelaide United in the women's as well. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good on you. Have fun. Stay safe. Enjoy your football. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, guys. See ya. See you, Miranda. Bye. That was Miranda Templeman, young Matilda's goalkeeper, Adelaide United goalkeeper. Yep. And, uh, yeah, hopefully... They'll have a good game. We'll have a good game. I hope to see her take the pitch for Adelaide United at some point. Yeah. So yeah, that'd we'll be just great. Think, uh, maybe if one of us can organise, you know, Annalee Grove to just bust a leg or something. And, oh, you know, yeah. They, they did it with, well, was it women's ice skating back in the <laughs> 90s? So, <laughs> so we're going to go out with a Stevie Wonder happy birthday to Miranda. Cool. And Lennon, the jazz show, Bags Groove, is coming up next. Hi, Len. And you've had Penn and Pete, and we've had a wonderful time in the last two hours talking football. Yep. I really appreciate you coming in with me today and listening, everyone. Thank you, and thanks to all of our partners, Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware, Oswest Fencing. Tune in next week, same time, 10 o'clock to 12, with another group of hosts to bring you lots more football. Enjoy your weekend and stay safe, everyone. See ya. See ya. Takes offense at a day in your celebration. Cause we all know in our minds that there ought to be a time that we can set aside to show just how much we love you. And I'm sure you would agree what could fit more perfectly than to have a world party. On the day you came to be Happy birthday to ya Happy birthday to ya Happy birthday Happy birthday to ya Happy birthday to ya Happy birthday I just never understood How a man who died for good Could 
not have a David one. 